You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, happy holidays, y'all. So great to be with you this time of year or whenever you're listening to this. It is a really great episode, though, during a time where we really are focused inward and we're focused on our family. Because today's guest, Jenna Rodriguez, is one of the most courageous people I've ever met. Would you have had the courage at age 14 to leave home? Well, that's what Jenna did. And I look around, I look at my kid who's 13, and Jenna actually has a daughter now that's her age, and we were both talking about how we just cannot even imagine a world where the circumstances would be created to make that necessary or to even have the wherewithal to do that. But that is what she did, and she tells us the story about how that happened and, of course, how it turned out to be a blessing and is a huge piece of contribution to the space that she holds now in her business. Her business is called Brave Masters, right? So let's just cut to the chase there. And she is a transformational mentor and business growth strategist. She helps entrepreneurs scale their passion-focused businesses, overcome their fears, and unpack their natural gifts. And she focuses on mindset and growth strategies to help them create more impact, freedom, and joy in the world, which of course, I completely resonate. And when I look at our 12 GFR commandments, the roadmap for getting real, and one of the things that it says is the more you get fucking real, the more impact and money you will make. And Jenna helps people be brave. And I feel like you need to like GFR, get real about what move or change you want to make. And then there is the walking out of it, which is of course, what a lot of the people in our GFR squad membership community are doing is they are confessing, they're getting real, and they're walking out the changes. If you haven't checked that out, by the way, and you and the new year want to be more real, be more authentic, and be surrounded by people that are doing the same, check out the GFR squad at gfr.life forward slash squad. So Jenna's story starts with age 14, and that's mind-blowing in and of itself. And then she shares with us two other significant transitions. One is around having going from a corporate job to buying a boutique and the harrowing journey that that was for her and what she learned. And then more recently within the last year is where the spiritual bankruptcy really comes in. And she just shares with so much transparency and humility. And it just was a joy to be in space with her. I think we're going to be new friends. She recently moved her family, Mother Brave Move, from Texas across the country to California and her daughter's in high school. So there you go. That's like, that's a brave move. And uh, so she, we're just down the road now in Southern California. So I'm looking forward to keeping our new friendship going. And honestly, I can't wait for you to meet her. So without further ado, Jenna Rodriguez. Jenna Rodriguez, welcome to the Get Fucking Real show. Thank you so much, Lisa. This is amazing. It is, I think, long overdue, but we were waiting for this particular show to make this happen. I love it. Yes, so. I think so. I feel it. And you reached out to me because you we had some prior connection and you're like, you know, and this is what's happening. Guests are saying like, okay, time for me to tell my story. It's like, yeah. it's like and I feel like the show helps integrate it for them. And then of course it like, it, has, it gives their story more meaning and purpose because people get to hear it. So I'm honored. I'm really, really yeah. honored. 
Thank you. So am I. <laughs> so am I. Okay. So we're going to jump right in here because you have an amazing story and it starts when you were 14. I mean, obviously it starts before then, but, but <laughs> day one, <laughs> right? day zero, but something that you shared with me that happened when you were 14 is just blowing my mind because my daughter Bella, who's 13 is like in the, you know, off of school today when this is being recorded, it's the day after Halloween. And the right. high schools are very wise in giving their giving the students the day off after for some teacher training or whatever bullshit they called it, but the perfectly timed day off for the day yes. after Halloween. So she's sitting in the next room, and um, when I was prepping for our interview and I read about what your journey has been like and what happened when you were at age 14, I was like, okay, hey, we have to start there. So let's start mm. there. Yeah, I, I know. I mean... Me too, because I have a 14-year-old. So I, I look at her every so often, especially as I share this story even more. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she has no idea yeah. <laughs> what, how great her life is. Right? <laughs> Some days I wonder, but then just really reflecting on where I was at her age, right? And so the story is this. At 14 years old, and it was actually three months before my, I was in eighth grade, so it was going into the summer. I had reached my limit. And, and what that means is five years I had spent my existence in a domestic violence household. And my parents got divorced at eight. My mother quickly, and that came with a whole slew of circumstances. It was foreclosure. It was bankruptcy. We went from a five-bedroom house in the suburbs of Houston to a two-bedroom apartment very quickly life at eight years old changed very quickly. And part of that transition for my mom was relationship. And so she went into a relationship that turned out to be very turbulent, very ugly. She was abused physically and I was emotionally abused and it was alcoholism and drug addiction and physical fear every day. Wow. And she kept taking the guy back. It would come to a head and she'd you know, kick him out and then he'd be back. And it was a cycle for five years. And so all I knew is when I went away on spring break in my eighth grade year and I went to stay at a friend's house, a, la a lady friend who knew of the situation, but she's like, why don't you come stay with me? Like, come hang out at the lake. And at this time we were in Arkansas and, and trust me, I've moved like 10 times by the time I was 14. And we were in Arkansas and she's like, just come hang out with me at the lake. And, and bottom line is she, you know, the week was progressively getting closer <laughs> to the day I had to go back to this house, to this right. environment and to this experience. And I just couldn't do it. And one of the hardest things is to, at 14, call your mom and tell her you're not coming home. Wow. And I don't know what my options are, but I'm not coming home. <laughs> <laughs> and the lady that I had stayed with had already offered. She said, you can stay here if you need to. You know, I know what's going on. And, I, and so that was an angel, you know, uh, offering. And I just, I cried and cried and cried and kept getting closer to this moment where I had to call her and say, I love you, but I can't do this anymore. And I don't want to come home and I can't live in this anymore. And so sure enough, she was actually more receptive and calmer than I thought she would be because my fear was built up quite a bit of what she would do. And she said, that's good. I think that's a good plan. And I will hand over the child support check so that you have some money to take care of yourself, you know, which was very giving because we lived on child support and food stamps. Basically, we were not in a good situation financially. But she knew that it's like, if I think in the back of her mind, now I can look back and recognize that my decision had a powerful, impactful ripple effect. And it allowed her three months later to get away from the relationship permanently. And so I think that was, not only was it one of the hardest things to do and to imagine doing at such a young age, but it was a need of survival and preservation for myself. And I was living in fight or flight. I was living in stress. I was living in chaos and lack of control and all of that fear. And, you know, and I think my mom, if I'm not mistaken, would lock my door at night just to make sure he wouldn't do anything. And, you know, it's just like, I can't do this. So yeah, that was a, a really dark day. But at the end of the story is that it was also, what is it, a pin drop light? You know, I'm just imagining like this little light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what happened, right? It opened that space where I could finally breathe and I could finally, you know, turn the corner for myself. And then I had to make some other bigger decisions, you know, from there. And I eventually moved back to Houston, lived with my father. 
and got some stability. There was none of that environment going on whatsoever. There were some other challenges because my husband, my dad and I, you know, had some, you know, turbulent times since the divorce. But at the same time, it was safer. It was more comfortable. It was less stressful than I could have anything to do with this other relationship. So that's one of the very first things I consider to be my brave. Yes. Um, and I know we'll, we'll talk and dive more into that. But when I look back, when I started recognizing what brave really meant to me, the through line, the common thread went all the way back to that day. And certainly probably many before that, but that was a huge turning point for my life and probably changed the trajectory of where I am because I made that decision. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So illuminating to at this vantage point where you're a mom to probably more deeply connect in with what a blessing it was for her, even though when you were mm-hmm. 14, it feels like I can't do this to my mother. And now to right. be able to see like, gosh, what a relief that must have been for her, right? To just yeah. to be able to I, get our shit together because she doesn't, she's yes. not trying to protect you, right? That's it. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's interesting. About a year ago, I actually, we were, my mom and my brother and I were sitting and my daughter, we were sitting at lunch and and I said, I have a question for you because I need to connect back to the facts. I only know my remembrance and my perception of what happened. I said, when did you move to Ohio, mom? Because I know like around that time that I moved out and then I moved to my dad's. I don't know exactly what happened because I wasn't there. And she said, oh, no, when you got on the airplane to go to your father's, Todd and I, my brother, Todd and I got a truck ready. And when the boyfriend was on a drunken spree or gone or disappeared for the day or whatever, they packed her up and left. And so she got out in the middle of the night kind of thing. And I said, you know, why did you wait? (laughs) And she's like, because at that moment, I knew you were safe. And I didn't have to worry about you, like you just said. And I said, got it. And that's what I've been assuming. That's what I thought. That's why when I say, you know, when we or I at that time take a brave action, it has a ripple effect. It, it allows others to find their brave at times. Sometimes not. Clearly, she had a choice, right, at that moment. But I can see why the dynamic. And because, of course, I could look at that. And, and I did for many years until I worked a lot on myself and a lot of forgiveness of, why didn't you leave sooner? Why did I have to go away to have you leave, right? And of course, that's the wrong question to ask, considering it's just how it was. And she was coming from a place of survival herself. And she was more concerned about disrupting me than trying to get out, right? And honestly, right. so when I was moved on and I was safe, then she was able to, to do 100% what she needed to do. And that's what she did. She moved away and never went back, which was obviously a blessing. Yes, <laughs> so, yes, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. wow, yeah. And what a beautiful full circle conversation mm-hmm. to have with her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, I, we just had never, you know, talking about getting fucking real. I'm like, let's get real about this situation. Because I don't really know what happened. I don't, you know, because I don't know her side. I don't know what happened on her end. I just remember what I was experiencing. And she, you know, even to this day, there's time, parts of it, like she doesn't remember the same way. And, you know, and I remember that welcome to life, right? Welcome to right, our own sure. perceptions. Yeah, yeah, so true. So. And I'm sure your brother had a whole different experience. Yes. Yeah, 100%. He was six years older. So yeah, he's six years older. So he had already moved out on his own. And so I know he he wasn't in the the meat of it anymore, the heat of it. But he also was on the outside listening to the circumstances and the story. And I know he he went through a lot of guilt at 18 when he left for college and left us (laughs) behind. But we both were like, you need to go live your life. You know, you're 18. But Yeah. um, yeah, it was a hard time. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing all that. Absolutely. So to fast forward to your cushy job as a controller and the transition from there. Yeah. To there or from there. (laughs) Well, so, I mean, so I have these blips and so, you know, like, you know, that's the next blip is that you have this cushy job and you decide to leave it and do something else. So 
can you give us some insight into what was going on at that point? So this is like, you know, I don't know how many every years later you can maybe tell us. Yeah, yeah. That was, um, I was around 20. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I can go back. It was 2006. <laughs> That's all I can, whatever That's that fine. is. That's fine. I know, I'm bad with like years and years. I'm bad with years. Yeah, I'm bad right. with my age based on the year. That's Me too. I mean. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, I had moved myself in the ra- up the ranks in corporate America and had spent about eight years as a controller. The first half was with a small company, and then I moved to a public accounting firm and was a senior consultant. And yes, you know, pretty healthy income. I mean, 80,000 a year, or I think I was at like 70 to 80. Not bad. Not <laughs> bad that age. for that age, yeah. Yeah, and considering where I came from. Right, um, and their security is a huge value for you at that point in uh-huh. your life, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, and I, it's still something I have to rein in because the need for security, I talk a lot about ego tricks. And so the need for security is certainly one of those to avoid fear and pain and, you know, the what if, right? So yeah, I had the cushy job, I had the health insurance, had all that. And I also had a two-year-old and my nine-year-old stepdaughter. And however, something in me was stirring and I was like, there's got to be more. I can't, I, I just can't do this forever. And so it, it was a point where I wanted to have something of my own. I knew I, had, I always wanted to work for myself, but I didn't have the parents. I had a programmer as a father and artist and housewife as a mom, you know, like she, that's what they did. And I was told, go to college, get a job, die, you know, like die in the cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, not going to happen. I don't know how, but I'm not going to do that. I know. Um, my, my dad worked for AT&T all through my childhood. Yeah. And I, I saw him survive, I don't know, like 10, you know, different layoffs and downsizing and right-sizing and upsizing and all the things they were doing. And he was tortured every time. And, but he just stayed yep. in as loyal as could be. And I think he retired th- 35 years with the company. Wow. That's all I knew. <laughs> that's all you knew. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's all they knew to tell me, you know, like that was right. their experience. But I, in something internally, I knew that that wasn't my path. And so anyway, I came across this opportunity to buy. It was kind of a funny, you know, like I had a conversation with my best friend. She says a website. I go look at the website. I get curious about the website, which has businesses for sale. And I'm like, wow, there's a business here that I might be interested in. And I went down the, the rabbit hole. And then you have to find out if you can apply for this, you know, the loans and all that. So I went all the way down the rabbit hole and I got a yes. And so then it was a decision called, am I going to buy this storefront? And it was wow. exciting. And it included, it was a woman's boutique. And so it was fashion. It also had a makeup line included. And I just had to come in and take over. And I used to be a makeup artist and we skipped over that part. I was in fashion design and makeup artistry in my early 20s. So I was like all excited that I could go back to some creativity. And I'm a numbers girl and a creative. Yeah, go figure that one out. But um, now it's my superpower. Exactly, (laughs) right? right? Yes. Yeah. Now I'm like really happy I can do both. The kind of the short story is I said yes, bought the store, had a pretty strong revenue like $300,000 in the first year. But within a year's time, late 2007, I found myself two months behind on rent. I was barely able to keep up our personal bills and our employees and all that that also came with the purchase and uh, 700,000 in debt. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Let the zeros sink in. Like, yeah, I, like, I don't think how... I called one of the zeros actually when I was reading your story because I had 70 in my brain, 700,000. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, no, no. 700,000. When you add up all the, the loans, the, li- the lease that I would have been responsible for, the inventories, the, like all the stuff, all the bills, everything. And I was like, and the personal credit cards that I maxed out, the line of credit that I maxed out, all these things that you know you do in order to like make a business work. But it has a high, it had a high overhead. So bottom line is I found myself sitting in front of a bankruptcy attorney going, what are my options? And she said, you have two. (laughs) And I said, okay. She said, well, you have three technically. She said two are file bankruptcy. One is a restructure and the other is a personal. And the third is just wing it, (laughs) keep going, you know, or quit, either quit or keep going, but just like keep doing what you're doing, right? Is her point. And I said, well, I can't afford the restructure because it's more than what I have in my bank account. 
because right. it costs more to restructure and keep the business alive. It's just the price point of the bankruptcy filing was more than I had. And then the personal was affordable. She said, here's the thing. What do you want? I said, I want to save my house, my cat, my dog, my child, my car and go on. I said, I'm done. I'm too stressed out. And I have a three-year-old at that time to worry about. And she's like, well, then I'd recommend the personal bankruptcy and move on. And she said, you qualify. That's one thing I think people don't get is that there is a qualification. <laughs> it's not like you can just walk in and go, hey, I, I want to file bankruptcy, right? Yeah. It's actually, there's a formula that uh, you have to go through. And so anyway, yeah, I found myself sitting there with bankruptcy. And the hidden lesson in this, there were many. I left that office and started laughing, not crying, laughing. Okay. And the laughter, I know, right? Um, <laughs> I'm not to say I didn't cry a few times, but the laughter was because I recognized what fear does. Mm. At that very moment, when you live your life paranoid and worried and subconsciously afraid of something, it can come real and it can be actualized. And I lived in fear of bankruptcy for, since I was eight years old. Because what happened at eight was my life turned over on its side. And all I could see as an eight-year-old was bankruptcy, foreclosure on house, like losing everything. So bankruptcy had a really negative connotation. It was the ultimate in failure. And so I started laughing because I was like, okay, thank you, God. I'm listening. <laughs> I, I hear you. I'm Here I am. <laughs> I created this, right? Mm. I'm like, I created through my subconscious this experience. I'm not done and I'm not over and this isn't the end of me. And that was the miracle in the moment because of course I had the bittersweet, the sad and the scared and the, oh my God, what are we doing? And what am I going to do? And all that, you know, but that moment when I, number one, made a decision, which is my lesson to people. It's like when you get off the fence, the fence hurts. Okay. The fence is not I easy. love that. The fence get off, Like just picture yourself sitting on a fence and, you know, <laughs> straddling a fence. Yes. I know, right? <laughs> That's actually the second step of my four step, how to get your brave on, right? It's, is to get off the fence, which means make a decision left or right. Yes or no, you know, go forward. And then the hardest part is staying committed, which is step three, staying committed to your original decision. And so ultimately that's been the journey. And the awareness for me is that the decisions are not actually the hard part. Usually we make them hard based on all of the makeup, all of the narrative, all of the story all of the fear, all of the attachments, which is, leads me to you know, what I teach a lot about now is how do you, the attachment detachment, how do you detach from all the attachments that you have in your life? And when I could, I didn't know all that back then, that was 13 years ago, but that's what, what I did see was I created this subconsciously. This experience is here to serve me. And now I get a new choice. And so I woke up the next day and said, what am I going to do? I'm, what I was clear on is I did not want to work for someone else. So I got the bug, I got the itch, whatever you want to call it about working for yourself. And so I did what I had to do. I got some freelancing jobs as a controller, but they were contracts. So I didn't feel like I was employed and I could write things off. And then I went and started building a business with my husband, which was web and graphic design company. He was doing it part-time, but I was like, Hey, I can sell, I can network, I can do some of these other things. I said, but you just need to tell me what HTML stands for. <laughs> and then I'll go do it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's very funny. Just, that's just awesome. tell me what HTML stands for and I'll go sell it. And that's all I need to know and I'm good to go. Let's do this thing. <laughs> yeah. So that's how that milestone went. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, and it says a lot about him and his mm. belief in you and yes. flexibility and, you know, we have partners in our life and sometimes they're there for the whole thing and they're there for 10 years, 20 years, five years, you know, mine's coming up on, you know, 25 years, but uh, we've yeah. for sure, you know, had our chapters. So yeah, bravo to him too, right? Yeah. We're going to hit 19 years together, 18 married in December. And I do, I absolutely am grateful for someone that when I asked, I said, Hey, I want to do this thing called quit my job and buy a business. He goes, okay, dear, I trust you. <laughs> yeah, that's my, my I'm like, I don't know. I know. Yeah. That's what my husband did as well when I got laid off three times in two years oh. and overnight had the idea that I was going to start my own business. And I came home yeah. and I was like, I have to follow my dream. He's like, uh, what dream was that? I don't think I, there was a dream when you I didn't get the memo. 
<laughs> you know, like, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. It takes special Crazy. people to be it in does. Part- Yes, yes. Yeah. So there's another another big piece of your story that we're going to tell. And so obviously your work around brave is being birthed, right? Like this, right? This is so, it's so apparent. It's so illuminating. And honestly, like when I was reading, because you and I don't know each other very well. And, you know, so we kind of went back and forth and email, had fun, you know, getting to know each other. And, you know, I got all your information and, you know, and I'm reading about what you do and, you know, your transformational mentor and business growth strategist. And I'm reading about what you do and I'm thinking, wow, this sounds like what I do. Like she's mm-hmm. up for helping people like get fucking real, you know, with their business yes. and their life. And, you know, and, and you used your own words and I said all that in the intro, right? And seeing the glossy, beautiful brand that you have around Brave, I always say wormhole certification, like the... the, the, the <laughs> Right, the credential of you going through just that piece. We haven't even talked about the next piece, right? And, and we yeah. all two big pieces actually. We've already talked about that. To me, just exhibits brave to the nth degree. So what I'm saying is like, now I'm really leaning in, and so are our listeners, right? I'm really leaning in. Like, I, like you fucking earned the right to talk about what you're going to talk right. about, you know? And it's like it's not just theory, or it sounds really good, or right. You know, and I think that is the grittiness of the mission-driven business owner's journey. And that's what the show is about, is just owning that shit. Like, do you have to go through struggle in order to birth a mission-based business? I don't know that I would say you have to. I'm just saying it's pretty darn common. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It seems like it's pretty much how it goes. So let's just, you know, you know, let's just be out there with it and be entertained by each other's crazy journeys. Yeah, or crap. Like let's just entertain by crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And motivated. I do I agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what happens next? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Where do we go from here? So, yeah, there's many little steps along the way because we're talking over this last like 13 years from that pivot point, And I've gone through iterations of my business and et cetera. But about four or five years ago, something bigger was stirring for me. And yes, it was this brave conversation. And I was standing, so brave wasn't a word. I've used my entire life. That is not what I call myself. That's not what I was, nothing. That wasn't in my descriptors. And I was standing on a stage speaking, which was a whole nother brave thing because I avoided speaking until 2013. Uh, So it was probably 2014 when I stood on a stage and I was standing there. I speak to entrepreneurs clearly a lot. And I just blurted it out. And I said, entrepreneurship's not the easy way, guys. It's the brave way. And I went away, was like, oh, that was a good sound bite. <laughs> like, what was that about? I just got the and, chills, you know, so that's something potent. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Chills, right? And, um, and so I did. I walked away from that moment and I, you know, because it, it came through me, not one planned. And I wrote it down and I was like, what is that about? Why do I believe that? You know, and what is brave all about? And so it just started to unfold and I started to ask myself those questions. And then, you know, and it was like, well, I believe entrepreneurship is not the easy choice. You know, it's like, you've got to be brave about it. I always say it's like the ultimate in personal development. Like if you want to, you don't need to go get another course. (laughs) You can, you can, you can do it, but yeah, it's going to test every ounce of you. And it's so like that's why the big spotlight, people can't see my arms that aren't on video, but it's like having a big spotlight yeah. that shines on all the things that you haven't looked <laughs> yeah. at within yourself. You know, it's just like, let me find any crack or crevice in your self-confidence, in your fears, in your trauma. And let's make yeah. sure that, yeah, exactly. Chip, chip away at it. Let's just chip yes. away at it. Yeah. So I think, I mean, honestly, that's where it came from. I just saw the resilience in people. I saw it in myself. I'm like, I've come through all this and I'm still an entrepreneur. <laughs> you know, so, it, so that's where it started to birth. And I was a brand strategist. That was my focus as far as my brand and my company name. And then I started the podcast in 2015 and I was like, okay, let's have brave conversations. And so I started the Brave Entrepreneur Podcast and that's still going strong. And that's a long running podcast. (laughs) Yes. I just passed my like 200 episode. I'm like so excited. Yeah, (laughs) You will be there in no time. I promise. And so it was this, yeah, it was obviously something that had to bubble up and it came through and then I started to explore it more and then it had, 
initially it had the sensation of like coming through fear, overcoming it, you know, choosing regardless of fear and being uncomfortable. Like those were the meanings. But then people started, I started doing more interviews and such. And then I started to see that what brave is really all about. And this is kind of more of my definition now (laughs) is deeply looking at yourself, facing yourself for the sake of evolution and growth and self-awareness and self-actualization. And so the being a brave master, which is my company name now, and I just renamed it two years ago from this point. And I just saw that brave is so much bigger and deeper than, okay, I'm afraid. No, this is about all of this, the crevices and the deepest, darkest emotional wounds that we have to heal in order to truly live our lives as a truth teller and like really live authentically, speak authentically, show up transparently, having a get fucking real conversation, you have to go there. And that has been my plight is like, I will go first. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, I'm not expecting something that I've not done. But I do believe the beautiful magic on the other side of facing ourselves is truly where we're at what we're after. And we want the feel good and the joy and the the significance and the, you know, the fun and the freedoms that we keep wanting so badly. I see so many people, it's like, well, I want freedom of time and I want freedom of money and all these things, but you're actually not willing to do the internal work. Something I say, and this actually just kind of came through me into my journal recently, is every external desire or undesire, meaning something we don't want, requires an internal resolve. That's the story of Brave Mastery at this moment. The definition keeps expanding, right? The meaning, but that's really what happened. And I had to get brave about rebranding my business and like, what am I up to? What conversation am I really having? I'm doing more than just business, you know, and more, more than just brand. (laughs) That sort of, you know, started out as marketing or branding and then really got real about that really the inside job that we were actually focusing on. Yeah. Yeah, The inside job. And so here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for illuminating what brave means to you and where, and I just, I love everything you just said, because I mean, I'm looking at my 12 GFR commandments and it's like, you know, I call it the road for getting real. And it's like, you know, yes, yes, that's where, that is where the rubber meets the road. And, And for me right now, I resonate with serving people that they're getting real is in service of how they're supposed to be serving, you know, in the world. And that is what is at stake and having an unfulfilled life and being at the end of your days and feeling like, shit, I didn't do the thing. I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's the thing that drove me to do this, you know, was that I didn't, you know, I started to get really present to the things that I wanted to make sure that I shared. Like, you know, I share as an example about, you know, my open non-monogamous journey and there's not a lot of people mm. talking about that. And, and it was yeah. fucking brave to talk about it. And But like I needed 100%. to get real in the couple of years before I launched this. I didn't know this, of course, right? I needed to get mm-hmm. real about everything, you know, everything and, and be able yeah. to be congruent and transparent. So like my GFR mission called me up and still calls me up to keep it real. Let's share with everybody sort of this, the most recent chapter where your brave mission has called you up even in a more bold way. <laughs> yeah, even, even bigger, even closer to the higher self, right? So last November, November 27 to be exact, I woke up in a pretty dark, deep place. I was crying profusely in the shower. And then I got out of the shower and I had about 30 minutes to get to the group coaching call with my clients. And then I got on the coaching call and I was a literally like a zombie. I was like, I don't know what to say right now. So why don't you guys <laughs> like, what, what's going on with you guys? Cause I'm on the edge of about to cry. And then I did cry and I lost it. And they're like, are you, are you okay? <laughs> wow. And I was like, um, I will be, um, but not right this minute. No, I'm not okay right now. And, uh, oh, I can cry right now, actually, just reconnecting to it. <sighs> yeah, because um, I hit the spiritual rock bottom. I was burned out. I was trying to control everything and every outcome. My business was, I mean, I had already started experiencing in the year this sense of jackhammering everything, like 
this isn't working. Okay. Just blow that up. Let's go do something else, you know, and, and chasing what other people were doing and trying to go for the dollar. And I'm trying, I'm, I've been a lot of the times the breadwinner and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm in charge of that too. And I've got to make sure we're on, we're not going to sink and we're not going to go bankrupt again. You know, like uh, just tons and tons and tons of pressure on myself. And the month before, what kind of, I think, threw me over the edge and was my daughter went, some, went through some emotional triggers. A child in her group, a boy, like announced he was going to kill himself. And I said, I mean, I saw exactly, I, number one, thank God he said it on Snapchat versus he didn't just go do it. Like I told her that. I said, this is a cry for help. Yes. And I said, but it threw her into an emotional trigger that I couldn't get her out of at the time. And that threw me into another level of lack of control and a lack of ability to change something. And so I, w- I had this crying moment and I, I did reach out to a mentor that saved me. I mean, she picked me up and she's like, this is in, and was able to get some reflection and like what's happening. And I was like, okay, that's what's happening is I'm, I am literally holding on to everything with my fists and like, I can't hold it anymore. Like it's just a rock bottom. The bottom was about to drop. Nothing externally was really falling apart. Otherwise, uh, uh, you know, meaning my house was, you know, it's like financially, all these things weren't falling apart, but I was so internally falling apart. And the shift was that afternoon after I went through that, I was like, oh my gosh, surrender, like surrender, (laughs) let go. It's an illusion. The control is not real. And then the other part of it was I have always been conditioned from a very early age, clearly looking at my yes. childhood, to take care of it or no one else will. Yes. Take, if I don't do something, it won't get handled, right? So that level of control, and I know people can hear me with this because it's not real and it's not sustainable. That's what happened. I hit the brick wall. And so I went into this phase of pure surrender, spiritually reconnecting to source and God, universe, I call it Gus, because I use all those three interchangeably. Oh, cute. Um, <laughs> God, God, universe, universe Gus, nice. I yeah, like Gus. You can use what you want. And, uh, but I, because I had never fully done that, ever. There was never a place for me to have that level of faith or that level of surrender. And so I really, at, a, at the first time in my life, let go. And a lot has happened in this year. I don't know how much more time we have, but I know that it was the pivot that I needed. It was that next level of spiritual awakening. And when I did that, I went from, I have a higher purpose and this conversation needs to rise up and I'm meant to do something on my own and I don't know what it is. I'm meant to do something for the masses and I don't know what it is. I'm going through this because I need to hear it. I need to feel it and I need to give it back. And it's all I could hear. I got chills again. And so I spent the month of December. I unplugged. I I served my clients, you know, like obviously that's not, that wasn't the issue, but I, and my, I told my clients I'll be okay. (laughs) They were okay with me. And because I do the work, I, I, I'm self-aware enough to go do the work. Right. And I let go of every, I just paused social media. I paused. I started meditating daily not something I've ever done. And I, that was the most emotional month because of the meditation allowed me to hear my truth. And that's why I say a truth teller, because there were things that I had to get fucking real about and that I was holding on to dynamics in relationships that I was holding on to dynamics in my family because of what I was attached to. And that's when the attachment conversation started opening up for me. And I was like, everything we suffer is some type of attachment. Everything we don't have is because we're attached to something else. Like I kept seeing all this, you know? And so I meditated and I started getting quiet. I started studying. I started like pouring into my, my being as much, you know, kind of um, spirituality. I started reading books again. I started- What were your favorite books during this time or what were the ones? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I followed Gabby Bernstein for quite a while before, but I've never really dove deep into it. And so she was, well, she was the first video I saw when I broke down that first day and then I just go to YouTube and go show me something. That's what I do. Yeah. Um, Gabby Bernstein, five steps to surrender. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, here we are. So I started coming back to her work and I've been a student of course in miracles over 20 years off and on. 
not consistently. I was going to ask you about that. I was, I was curious. I was going to ask you about that because I, I have yes. two off and on and recently dove back in. And so what I was listening yeah. to saying and not saying, that's all I kept hearing was, yeah. 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 And Marianne Williamson was my, one of my first spiritual teachers in, in, at 19 years old. I read her yeah. books. Right? And her, yeah, so, her book, Return to Love, which is based on yeah. Course of Miracles, found its way to me gosh, 20 years ago. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Right. That was yeah. the, that was when, that was my first spiritual awakening was back then, which we didn't even talk about. But so yes, Gabby Bernstein. Uh, and then of course I just got to meet her in person. I just nice. met her in person That's and so went fun. to her book, book signing. Uh, so super attractor judgment detox universe got your back. I started de- devouring all of those. Then there was one called the S- surrender experiment with Michael Singer. Oh, I've heard about uh, that. I haven't read it. And he's got one called The Untethered Soul, which is the yes. I haven't listened to yet. Yeah. Yes. yes. So that one is apparently really good. I mean, I could go probably give you 15 books that I devoured. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and it's and, a couple and, months. Thank you. You know, and it's all the same. And I say that with the most like irreverence, respect, respect yeah. for the universal truth, right? It's like, right. It's all about our separation. It's all, it's all about our ego getting in our way and telling us lies and creating. And I love that it's packaged up in a million different ways, you know, you know, from Gabby, who is, you know, a current guru, you know, to Wayne Dyer and, you know, and Byron Katie, those are, these are a couple of my favorites. And so, and then I also love, you know, I love Jenna Rodriguez's take on it and, and right. And it's like your, metabolizing all of those teachings and you're, mm. you know, you are now unleashing it in on the world through your personal journey, which is completely unique to you, which is going to resonate with different people and fucking the more the merrier in this conversation as far as I'm yes. <laughs> Yeah. And I've, and I've had a, an amazing mentor, a life coach, uh, you know, for 10 years and Bellanie DeShong and, and, you know, and she changed my life too, you know? And so the messenger is going to change. And the, I love that you say metabolizing. I love that because I have been metabolizing it for 20 years. And, you know, it's like now it's like, oh, wow, I get to be one of them. I get to be the light worker, you know, and as Gabby calls it. And she's the first to say, I can't do this by myself. <laughs> she's like, I need a million more people doing what I'm doing at some level. Just go, you know, be you, go make it your own, go metabolize it yourself. And that's what I think is so important is. This isn't about, I learned something from you, but I can't use that. Like, no, like we need to go make it viral, whatever we're learning. And I'm just a messenger. And if you resonate with me, if you resonate with Lisa, you know, and I resonate with many different people at different times of my life. Yes. Right. And so I think that's also important. We can be the teacher and the guru for the person that needs them in the, needs us in the moment and they will come and go, they will listen and then they will go away and then they'll come back and listen again or not, but it's like, it's like, we need an army of consciousness happening and we cannot do it singularly. We can't do it. I mean, we're not, there's still not enough right now. There's not enough. And like, that's why I think, you know, I'm like, bravo for doing this podcast. I mean, and I love mine. Mine's turning more into that conversation more and more. And so, yeah, when I hit that rock bottom, I was my higher self, I call it true North, the higher self. So true North, right? My compass is always heading in true North is that connection to source and knowing what I know is true, the closer I can get to living in that space than living in ego and false self, then my life flows, I get more with less, right? I feel better, I feel good, I I enjoy the things, you know? Did you think you were, though? Like, that's the thing, you know, like, even now, I'm like, shit, am I really fucking real because you know like you know like it's like unplugging from the matrix like did you think before you had this breakdown yeah did you think like i'm living brave i'm living my message 100% 100% yeah and so oh my gosh the part of this year you know this i mean we're coming up to exactly a year is i went through a lot of emotional like grieving of my own identity meaning i look back and went that was not really real. Like, you know, like I'm at another real level, you know? And so I had to forgive that. I have to forgive my yes. judgment of that, of judgment of self. And I, there are things I'm saying today that is probably contradictory to some damn video I have out there that was three years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. forgive myself, forgive me. I might be believing something new today. 
And it's interesting. So I was upset a little bit about that. I was scared. I was scared to get my, find my voice and say something different, own my voice. I mean, and only recently have I actually started to, to line up and to say something. Yeah. So uh, it's been amazing and I'm still in it. I'm still, it's like, it's still fresh. I can feel the, the pendulum, you know, I'm like swinging kind of on the other side now of it. But I'm also very open to like, don't rush this rebirth. Don't rush this like reawakening. And it could take years. It could, I mean, how long? I don't know. But yes, absolutely. I thought I was, I thought I was doing something right. And I, and the truth is I was for where I was. I was for the awareness level that I was at. And then all of a sudden something clicked. And then I just, my whole consciousness came to another level. It's kind of like, you don't know what you don't know until you get to it. You know, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of like, it's okay. That doesn't mean that was all negated. One thing that I say to my clients and, and community and stuff is like, I wore busy like a badge of honor. Ooh, yeah. And that was the control, control factor. I'm a recovering perfectionist and I'm a recovering control freak. So, you know, and I mean from ego level, you know, like, and not, and really still because of the need, like I, if I don't do it, then no one else will. That energy will wipe you out and it's not sustainable in my experience. So here we are, things have have started to change drastically. And after that, what does success look like for you now? Like that, that's where I want to like, I would like to sort of like, you know, wrap up this beautiful, awesome conversation because, yeah, you know, I recorded another interview today, which who knows where it will be in the lineup, but you know, she did a little process with me for our GFR squad members. She's like, can I use you as a guinea pig? like, okay, sure. So, and she, and she asked me a couple of questions and it really like got me present once again, right. To how I link success to, to money and mm-hmm. how much the control when I am in that space of control and I can feel it, that pushing the driving, the striving, you know, which energy I do, that's not where I want to live, you know, yes. is, you know, my story still is rooted in that, in that money. And if the money's not there, then I'm not successful. So can you share with us now, what does success look like for you now that you are, you know, brave has a new meaning? Yeah. So I think, you know, I mean, that's a good question. And I'm still defining it because one of the commitments I made was I'm going to stop focusing on the money. That part of that surrender was you, you hey, Jenna, you're not allowed to focus on the money. That's anymore. the ultimate surrender for me right now is what it feels like. It feels like me too. Most, like jump off the fucking cliff kind of feeling. Like, okay, God, you're going to take care of this, right? Yep. Yep. That's where I'm at. Cause I, I uh-huh. know, like, I know this is an appointed mission. I'm so clear on that. So, you yeah, know, uh, one of my mentors, Tosha Silver, she says, you know, you're on God's payroll. Like, okay, well, yes. God's payroll. And I'm just, right. I'm on God's payroll. So let me just keep doing my job. Just Can, I, here. Can I sign the check, please? Yeah. Uh, so success for me is number one, waking up and feeling good, feeling connected more to my higher self than uh, connected to ego. And that is a discernment that must require practice every day, every minute. Because every minute you probably flip between the two voices a hundred times. Right. So discerning that. And I would love to say that I'm done with the money being, you know, equate the story that money is equating to the success, you know, but I, I am doing my job to let go of that and to focus more on service more. How many people like, can I help one person a day? Can I make an impact on, you know, the people out there and in my family, right? My, my children, my husband, you know, so can I focus more on that and that being the success that being not even measurements, because I don't even want to put a measurement on it anymore, because that too is ego. Ego is all about measurement, but it is about how you feel. It is about what joy and light and flow that we have. And trust me, this is all brand new because that would not have been my definition, you know, a year ago. So that's where I'm, that's where I'm living. And it's certainly it's where I'm practicing. I'm not necessarily done and complete, but that's, that's where I'm, I'm headed. And, uh, and I think it's brave to and you know, fucking real to figure out what what that is without the money, without the the status, and everything looks perfect on social media. Like I get it, I still show up and put the happy pictures, 
but I'm also doing my job as much as I can to share from where I am and when it's not a good day and when I'm not, when I'm going through something. And I think that's success too. I think being real and transparent is success as well. And owning, I think the ultimate is personal ownership, personal ownership of your life, of your experiences, of your, you know, what shows up for you and then mastering, you know, more of the response, you know, how do we respond to all of it that, that we create? And then, you know, what do we do about creating more? So yeah, that's where I am. And I'm still thinking about the answer. So yeah, right. <laughs> kind of and I, to me. I, I love that about you is that it's like, okay, here's my answer today, you know, like right now. And it's so true, right? When we really embrace the evolution. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was such a joy to get to know you and meet you. I'm so glad you reached out. You have an amazing story. I still am like reeling on the leaving home at 14 and I know, right? how like that's where the brave in this story that you shared with me has started. And, right. um, Thank you. And bravo. And bravo again for, for even this latest iteration. And that to me, you know, those wormhole certifications are the thing that make you an expert in my eyes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. And I know now we get to welcome the wormholes, right? Welcome um, the so. wormholes. I like it. Yes. <laughs> Relish in the rock bottoms is what I say. So. Oh, I like that. You're all about the yeah. soundbite. I love I it. I like soundbites. They come <laughs> in, in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Relish in the rock bottoms. Welcome in the wormholes. Thank you so there much, you Jenna Rodriguez. Thank you. Delight. So good. So glad you're here with us all the way to the end. That's when the aha moments happen, I believe. And no matter what the story is, there's always a way for you to take something away. And I hope that it has you GFR about something in your life and begin to make changes. If you have more interest in being fed and motivated around the topic of financial debt, episode 17 with Christine Closer from Bankruptcy to Bestseller and episode 21 with Joanna Grazili from Drowning in Debt to HarperCollins Bestselling Author. Awesome conversations, just so illuminating. And you know what? It doesn't need to be the way it looks right now in your life. So Use these shows to and these stories to uh, give you the spiritual food that you need to make changes and know you're not alone. To keep in touch with Jenna, she is gifting our listeners with an awesome bonus that is how to use her detachment method to be brave. And she gave me a little preview of it, and it's freaking cool. Um, it's one of those, you know, immediate downloads. So check out the link below. You can also find her. She has her own podcast called Get Your Brave On and just really great stuff from Jenna. And if you're in our GFR squad, as you all know, our GFR squad gets special bonus content from our guests. And Jenna goes into her five steps on how to get your brave on. I found the distinctions quite illuminating. And uh, she talks about how you need to get off the fence because it hurts. <laughs> that just had me cracking up. Yes, the fence hurts. <laughs> so make a freaking decision. And that's just one of the steps. So squad members, go on over and check that out. We had a lot of fun talking about that and some really cool distinctions that she has um, in her body of work about how to get your brave on. And you can check out how to be a member of the GFR squad at gfr.life forward slash squad. It's super, super inexpensive and would be a great gift to yourself at this time of year if you want to commit to being real and having greater impact in the new year. All right, y'all, over and out. Until next time.